Good afternoon. It is a late afternoon. And I am driving through Parker, Colorado. <clears throat> this is how I get home. And I am very uh, under the weather, as you might say. Uh, so why am I doing a podcast? Because who wants to listen to, um, you know, a sick-sounding person? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so if you don't want to listen, you can turn it off right now. But, uh, yeah, I'm kind of doing this on the fly. I haven't done one in a while. And, um, yeah, I'll just tell you some things that have been kicking around in my head. But... First, I have to tell you that a truck just passed me, and on the back of the truck, like the back um, window of the truck, um, it looks really nice the way they did it. I don't know how they did it. It looks really legit, but it's like a big blue uh, window wrap or whatever on the back window of this big, huge dually truck driving through Parker, Colorado. And it says, uh, Trump 2020, um, F your feelings. And, uh, but it doesn't just say F, you know, uh, it spells it out <clears throat> very clearly. Um, and I mentioned that, uh, I'm passing the truck now. Bye truck. Okay. Um, I mentioned that not really because it's funny. I, I think it's weird, you know, um. But I'm mentioning it because of the word feelings. Um, it seems like feelings are really super elevated. Um, and it's not just that feelings are seen as important, because feelings are important. But feelings are seen as the compass, like the guide um, to what we should do, the guide of right and wrong, and um, I think that's problematic, so I guess this is uh, an episode that we would title, what's, um, why read the Bible, this will be part three, um, it's definitely been kind of a, a, a little bit of a me talking off the top of my head, which is kind of what the podcast is anyway. But I think that's important because it's kind of some a conversation or a monologue that's always happening uh, with me, and I'm guessing that with a lot of you that, or whoever might want to listen to this podcast, it's a monologue that happens in your head, um, that our, our worldview is so informed by the word of God, hopefully, that everything that happens to us, <clears throat> everything that we see, things written on the back of trucks and stuff like that, everything is being filtered through that trustworthy word of God which will stand forever. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord will stand forever. 
Um, I still believe that. And uh, I've been noticing, and it's not really a new thing. Nothing's new under the sun, right? Uh, the Bible tells us, but uh, I just, I guess I'm just noticing it more. This um, anti uh, fundamentalism uh, that's out there, and uh, <clears throat> that what they mean by saying fundamentalism is basically anybody that thinks that the Bible has um, legitimate answers to things. Um, that, for instance, if we had a question about life <clears throat> or if we wanted to know how to feel about something, that we could go to the Bible and the Bible would essentially tell us those answers. And I think that's uh, that's tough to navigate because on one hand I can understand that the Bible is not that in a simplistic way. So the Bible um, doesn't have a book called uh, Marriage and you read that book and it literally tells you everything that you should do in a marriage or not do in a marriage. Um, the Bible doesn't have a book called uh, Work Life where it tells you every possible scenario uh, of what to do in your work life and so on. Um, in that regard, I would agree the Bible is not a Boy Scout handbook the Bible is not a owner's manual um, to a car. That's, that's not what it is, right? The Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, even cutting between the bone and the marrow. Um, I paraphrased the last part, but... The Bible is like a knife. It has a way of getting to the heart of issues. So it's not a simplistic owner's manual or a phone book or something dictionary where you just look something up and it tells you um, exactly uh, what you need to know in that way. Um, it's interesting that disciples walked around with Jesus and followed him and learn as they followed him. And I think that for us in the same way, as we read the Bible, we read it by ourselves on the individual level. We read it in community, uh, in church, and with the larger community of saints that came before us. But the authority is not located in the readership. Uh, so like, I think that uh, progressive Christians or Christians who are against, um, you know, the clarity of scripture and stuff like that, 
they, the authority issue for them, I guess, would lie in themselves. I don't really know where else the authority would be if it's not in the individual. So the individual is reading the Bible and somehow making decisions about what they think about it and how to apply it to their life. And even, um, I would say in a lot of cases, people are just deciding, yeah, that's clear, but I don't really want to, I don't really want to listen to that. So I can deny that it's clear. Um, or I can just say that the Bible is not meant to be a rule book and that kind of gets me off the hook, you know. But if the Bible's really showing us who God is, um, and the Bible is authoritative because it comes from God, because it's the very Word of God, um, then we have to obey what it says. And so we can't obey what it says if it's not clear. So this would be just like, to a certain degree, it'd be just like if, let's say God just showed up and started talking to us. Um, and let's say he wasn't just listing out a bunch of rules but he was telling us stories, he was um, uh, singing us songs, he was uh, telling us something that happened in history, and he was commenting on it as he went. We would be bound to that, because it's coming out of God's mouth. Um, the Ten Commandments were written by the very finger of God. And so, were the, were the Ten Commandments clear? They were expected to be obeyed. How could they be obeyed if they weren't clear? Were the Ten Commandments actually the words of God? Well, yeah, they were written with His finger. So, I really think that whatever argument someone's going to try to make against the authority of Scripture or the clarity of Scripture, you'd have to make that argument against the Ten Commandments themselves, or even against what God said in different places in the Bible, such as when God said, you may eat from, eat from any tree of the garden except the tree of knowledge of good and evil, of the knowledge of good and evil. Was that clear enough for Adam and Eve? Was it expected to be obeyed? So immediately we have clarity and authority <clears throat> uh, inherent in God's word. So you basically, to get out of the idea of clarity and authority, you have to deny that the Bible is God's word. And you might say, well, wait a minute, what about this part over here? Well, let's just hold off on, you know, the little obscure text that sounds contradictory to the other text or something like that, right? Let's just talk about a few verses of the Bible. Let's talk about the Ten Commandments. 
Are the Ten Commandments clear? And are they authoritative? And if they're not clear, how can they be authoritative? Because God is then giving us rules to obey that aren't clear, right? Or back to the original command to Adam, was that command not clear? It certainly was authoritative, and because it was authoritative and expected to be obeyed, then it had to be clear. So I really think that undermines the whole argument against the Bible's clarity and authority, because as soon as you admit that there are parts of the Word of God that are clear, authoritative, otherwise they're nonsense, like the command in the garden and the Ten Commandments, complete nonsense if they're not clear enough to be obeyed, complete lie if God didn't actually write it with his finger, if God didn't actually say it to Adam and Eve. That kind of authority and clarity extends to all scripture if all scripture is breathed out by God. And 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us that all scripture is breathed out by God. So that means that even uh, an obscure book of the Bible like Haggai or Zechariah or Zephaniah or any of those that we kind of skip over or Jude in the New Testament, if that's inspired by God, it is just as uh, authoritative and because it's authoritative, as clear as God wants it to be, let's put that little asterisk there, or as clear as it needs to be for it to be heeded or obeyed. And I don't want to use the word obeyed in the sense that everything in the Bible is a rule, because it's not. But heeded, uh, you know, given its proper place and reverence. So then if that is, if that does extend to the entire Bible, then we have clarity and authority. And so then the question becomes, well, why do we disagree on it? Well, immediately, it's obvious the problem is us. We're the problem. We're the, the reason why the Bible is not either clear or obeyed. It's us. And so then how do we fix that? Well, of course, you know what I'm going to say. <laughs> we go to the Bible and the Bible tells us what to do with his word. It, it is self-authenticating. Uh, it is self-explaining not self-explanatory, like it's just everything is so obvious because a lot of it's not. But I think it's all as clear as God wants it to be. And so if we're obeying what the Bible says about the Bible, if we're agreeing with God about his own word, then we are going to use it in the way that God tells us to use it. We're going to interpret it in the way that God tells us to interpret it. 
And we're certainly not going to make arguments against the clarity and authority of Scripture because making an argument against the clarity and authority of the Word of God is making an argument against the clarity and authority of God. I mean, if God's standing there in the garden, not to make a man out of God, but follow the, you know, the text, like I'm just using the words that the text used, right? If God is standing there in the garden, walking in the garden with Adam and Eve, and he says, of all the trees you may eat, but not that tree, it's as sure as God standing there, all scripture would have that same weight as if God is standing in front of you, telling it to you. Same weight as, as the weight that Adam and Eve had in placed on them by hearing God's word audibly. Same weight that Moses and the Israelites felt when God wrote it with his finger. Because that is what scripture is. <clears throat> so, that that's kind of my brief argument for clarity and authority. And it, it goes from the lesser or the original to the greater. Uh, the small to the whole. That extends to all scripture. Um, so I don't get it. I don't get why um, people in... Um, the progressive movement want us to let go of the clarity and authority of Scripture and still care about Scripture. Um, scripture defines who God is and what He's like and what He requires of us and where we can tells us where we came from, tells us what our purpose is. Do you really want to muddy that up? I don't, I don't understand. It's sort of like when you try to take away the clarity and authority of Scripture or deny it. It's like a painting has been painted over or defaced in some way. Or let's pretend that the paint's not dry and the person just kind of rubs their hand over the painting. You know, the painting has to be viewed at different angles. You have to step back from the painting and see what the whole big picture is. And then when you zoom in, certain parts of the painting, they might not look like, they might just look like chaotic, but they're a part of what's being communicated in the whole painting. And they're no less an expression of what the author intended, but the author intended us to see the whole picture. And so you can take little chunks of scripture and uh, make magnify them so that they don't look like part of the painting anymore. Um, and that's why I think it's really uh, helpful for us to know what is the big story of all of Scripture and how does what I'm reading fit into that story in history and the meaning of that story to me now through Jesus Christ. Um, so for instance, uh, let's just kind of pick someone in the Old Testament, okay, like, um, like Joseph. So Joseph 
I might have talked about this in the last podcast, so I'll try to keep it brief. And I'm doing this off the cuff, so I probably will miss some things. But Joseph was um, his father's favorite. Joseph was hated by his brothers. Joseph um, was... His brothers wanted to kill him. Um, There's a sense in which Joseph did die in the in, you know in that regard um but Joseph went off into another country um Joseph uh was faithful a faithful servant uh Joseph uh, became elevated um from servant to king almost um Joseph uh provided for the saving of his brothers and his whole family's life. And there's probably a lot of other things that I can't even think about right now off the top of my head. Now, if we read that and we say, okay, that's kind of a fantastic story. Maybe it happened, maybe it didn't. Um, The Bible is a rule book, so what am I supposed to get out of this? Well, I shouldn't want to kill my brother, like Joseph's brothers wanted to kill him. Um, I should forgive my brothers like Joseph forgave his brothers. Um, I should run away from all sin and temptation like Joseph ran away from Potiphar, I Potiphar's wife. I should save up for the future because Joseph saved up grain for the future and then sold it back to the people. Um, and on and on. Now, if that's what you're trying to make out of the Bible, um, then I agree there's a problem with that. I mean, if you analyze what Joseph did and then try to write a book about how to save money as a Christian based on the story of Joseph so that when things get hard, you'll have money for later and all that kind of stuff, like some of that might actually work out in your favor. You might actually be able to find little tricks and things that work. I mean... I've never read, I think it's Rick Warren or somebody in that tribe about, wrote a book about the Daniel diet or something. This is what Daniel ate and he got healthy and all this kind of stuff. So that's not the big picture of the Bible though. And if people hear us talking about the Bible in that way, um, then it becomes completely irrelevant. You know, like, do you think the book of Daniel was written to tell us to eat more veggies? Like, is that why the book of Daniel was written? Um, I don't think so. You know, uh, Hebrews tells us that the prophets were searching uh, within themselves um, for, you know, the spirit of Christ, basically. Like, they were revealing things that were to come. And uh, and when, when Paul says all scripture is breathed out by God and good for rebuke and teaching and correction and training and righteousness... He's talking about the Old Testament. So there's lots of uses of the Old Testament, but the main one that Jesus demonstrates in Luke 24 is that the Old Testament points to Jesus. So Jesus is a better Joseph. Jesus was was hated by his brothers, and his blood really was spilled. Um, Jesus uh, avoided every temptation that the devil brought to him. Um, Jesus uh, ended up saving the very brothers that hated him. Um, he saved his people. Um, Jesus uh, 
fed his brothers and his family and all of Egypt. Um, you know, just even, even people that were not of his uh, nationality were brought in under the saving reign of the effective king, Joseph, right? Um, Jesus fulfills all of that, you know, to the nth degree. And that's what the story of Joseph t shows us. So, um, yeah, I think this is going to be an ongoing series. Uh, I'm in, I'm in my driveway right now and I don't feel so great. <laughs> so, uh, pray for me if you listen to this, um, that I would feel better. Um, it's not the coronavirus. Okay. Um, my son was sick a couple weeks ago or last week, maybe just kind of stopped being sick. And then I think it just kind of passed on to me. So, so that's what that is. So we read the Bible knowing that it's clear and authoritative. And if there's a problem, the problem is with us. It's with the way that we're reading it. Or it's just with something that we don't want to believe about God because we like to have our own image of God. In fact, I was listening to a podcast um, that was basically a progressive Christian type podcast or people questioning, uh, which I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with questioning your faith. But anyway, the guy they had on, they were just praising him because he said, you know, that you basically are supposed to just keep reimagining God. And it's like, really? You're supposed to keep reimagining who God is? Um, that sounds like I'm making an image. That sounds like idolatry. And um, instead, we have a clear, authoritative word directly from God, as if he's walking in the garden, as if it's been written by his own finger. It's called the Bible, and it's readily available to us. It's at our fingertips. So I encourage you to dig into the word of God and um, let it shape you and mold you and show you who Jesus is and how we're made to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. So thank you for listening. Have a great day. Bye.